0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. This is The Limit Opic Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Good
1: day, planet Earth. Lemmon here for the next three hours on TNT Radio, the home of free speech, where we light the fuse for free speech. Uh, Coming up today, we're going to be talking about news and comments which touches politics, society, and culture. Uh, I'll have some fantastic guests today and some interesting comments as well. Our mission isn't to tell you what to think is to give you the facts so that you can make that judgment for yourself. I'd love to hear from you as well. If I've got time, I'll share your comments as well on TNT Radio. Just go to our website and share your opinions there. Uh, I want to start before we go to our first guest with a quick round Robin of what I might call the political weather. First of all, there's a big chill coming in the United Kingdom. That's literally weather. It's going to freeze. Where have all the climate emergency fundamentalists gone when the snow comes? We've got freezing conditions across much of Europe. I'm told that in Russia, it's minus 17 degrees Celsius. No one's blaming that on global warming. Uh, we've also got some big whiteouts going on in America and elsewhere. So I'm wondering if the weather has written itself out of the climate emergency script. I wonder what you think. How much evidence do we need that it's condition normal in the atmosphere? We'll come back to that uh, in the weeks ahead. Different kind of weather affecting the post office in the United Kingdom. For those who don't know, it turns out that the post office has blamed hundreds, potentially thousands of their own staff for fraud. When it turns out a simple computer error uh, caused this mistake. Or was it a computer error? I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. I was watching a government inquiry into this. And frankly, the evidence of the defendants from the Post Office, people who put innocent folks behind bars just for doing their job, didn't seem plausible to me. I suspect, and I say this advisedly, that the conspiracy of silence could be a little bit deeper than that. At the very least, people's lives were wrecked because, according to the Post Office, a computer error meant that they were accused of stealing money. What kind of society do we live in where you're guilty until proven innocent? Perhaps you have direct experience of that. If you're in the UK or if you've been watching the story, I'd like to hear your views on that as well on TNT Radio. Go to the website and share share with me your views. And the third piece of political weather is getting hotter in the Middle East. The United States and the United Kingdom have decided to start launching attacks against a group called the Houthis. Many regard them as a terrorist group. Others say they're actually simply defending their territory as well. Once again, we'll get deeper into that on another occasion. The problem is that piece of political weather could spread across the globe. We're close to World War III, according to some. Others say it's just a regional conflict. My opinion, that's more a matter of hope over expectation. The West seems to think, it can do pretty much whatever it wants, anywhere in the world, without major repercussions. I think that history proves rather differently. Although it's unlikely that a Middle Eastern country will directly invade a Western one, there are other responses that we need to be afraid of. I've always thought the best thing to do is sit down and talk, not stand up and shoot. I wonder what do you think? Are we handling the Middle Eastern situation correctly? Where do you stand on it? Is there a peaceful solution or are we doomed to years of terror and war costing billions and costing lives? All of that uh, is open for your debate, open for your consideration and open for your comment. That's what we do here at TNT Radio. Uh, We give you the chance to express your views. I don't censor anybody. As long as what you say is within the law, you're entitled to say it. You're also allowed to disagree with me. That's the nature of free speech. As Elon Musk says, free speech is meaningless unless you let people you don't like say things you don't like. That's how we learn. That's how we got this far. And this is the place to hear real views, real opinions, to disagree and to share opinions. I'm gonna introduce my first guest who is one of the most free thinking reverence I've ever met in my life in just a moment. I'm pleased to be back. I'm pleased to have three hours here on tnt radio keeping the commitment
0: 24 7. i've been in the car all day and i got to listen can't get enough of that you guys are doing a great job today's news talk radio tnt
1: without further ado let's pray for a great guest bishop kai jewer joins us now bishop it's been
0: a while how have you been i'm very good Limb. it's good to see you back good to be back with you thank you for having me on this morning And uh, you're right about the weather. It's certainly rather cold outside. But I've come to the understanding that for the climate narrative to work, we need all of the snow. We need all the rain we've had because how else is there going to be enough water for all this global boiling nonsense they keep talking about?
1: Well, I suspect I detect a hint of cynicism in your voice there, Reverend. Well, uh, it, I, it does. I,
0: I, I, I'm a creationist. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in between. But one of the things I've learned from a thorough reading of Scripture over the last 32 years of ministry is that the the climate of the earth is both seasonal and cyclical. What we're going through a naturally occurring phenomenon. You know, they talk about the fact that there's so much CO2 being pumped into the atmosphere. Nobody talks about the fact that in the Pacific Ocean, way out off the Japanese coast, there are naturally occurring cyclones that are sucking CO2 out of the atmosphere and dumping it outside of the ozone layer. My good Lord has a great way of cleaning up his own creation. And I don't think he needs the help of the climate alarming and the wef and the who and anybody else and and speaking of that uh to do with the climate alarm you know this attack on farming listen scientists are now trying to make plants taste like meat cows sheep goats chickens turkeys they've been doing that for millennia just leave them alone that works cuz i found i found that they can take plants and make them taste just like meat all on their own they don't need some scientists to help them <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's an interesting take some would say obviously we've got you on as my first guest for this show because we needed a blessing but some <laughs> would say you're cursing the wild fowl that's a man of the cloth should be opposed to the idea of human beings killing animals for our pleasure, because you can live a vegetarian life. How would you defend the killing of animals from a religious context?
0: It's scriptural. I I have no issues with it. Throughout the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, we are shown how uh, animals were killed for both sacrificial offerings and for the consumption of the meat. In fact, the Lord instructs the Israelites uh, during the, what has now become the feast of the Passover as they were about to exit the, uh, the land of Egypt as slaves to slay a lamb, to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts and the lintels as a symbol of their covenant with the Father, but to consume the entire lamb and leave nothing left over. So I have no problem. Listen, if you want to eat vegetables, if you want to eat plants, That's entirely up to you. I have no issues with it at all. There was a point in my life where, for health reasons, I didn't eat meat because I was suffering. About five years ago, I had a very mild heart attack and I was grossly overweight. So I switched to a predominantly plant-based diet to help me recover to help my body adjust to lose weight because i was eating far too much junk food and 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 far too much processed food with being on the road 50 weeks of the year i have no problem with 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 whichever diet you want to go down plant-based carnivore pescatarian, whatever it is but that is a choice you make don't force that on other people don't don't try and demand the whole world now follows a diet. You know, that it wasn't that long ago they were talking about how we need to eat insects. And now scientists have proven that eating the insects they've suggested is extremely detrimental to the human body. So I look at God's creation from a biblical perspective that almost everything within creation was created, except for the human being, obviously, for the purpose of consumption in one way, shape, or form. And I'm also mindful of the fact that our good Lord was very wise in how he did it, because if you eat too much of the thing that he created, that it will be detrimental. It can have vast effects on the human body. I think of the apple seed, for example. You know, an apple seed has a small amount of arsenic in it because we're not supposed to eat the seed. You're supposed to eat the fruit. So if you eat too much of the thing that is created for the purpose of growth and sustaining and development, that is the thing that will kill you. But if whatever diet you want to go on like I said, that's entirely up to you. What I don't need, a scientist telling me that the whole world has to now switch to, who made you God? Who gave you the right to tell me what I have to do? Last time I checked, I still had the freedom of choice. I still had a freedom of will to be able to choose what I want to do. And listen, if I want to eat McDonald's, French fries, and Big Macs, morning, noon, and night, from the, from there until... Christmas or till the day that Christ comes again. That's my choice. You don't get to tell me what I can and can't do. You're not in control of my life. And these organizations have forgotten a principle that I have banged on about for 20 years. They govern when it comes to parliamentarians and governments, they govern by consent. But when it comes to unelected bodies like the WHO, like the WEF, like the the UN, like the EU, um, you know, some of the bodies within the, the the EU that are that have unelected officials now trying to dictate how we live my life, how the world has to live its life. I'm sorry, you don't get to say. Um, you don't govern I, uh, by I, consent.
1: I, I want to get to a couple of stories in a minute, but let me just ask you a quick question. I always love talking about uh, faith matters with you. Uh, and another chap called Steve Chalk will be joining us uh, in the weeks ahead. What would you say to those who would accuse you of pick and choose you choose those parts of the bible that fit your narrative for example it does say in the bible that if you wear mixed fabrics fabrics you'll go to hell if you eat shellfish you go to hell why do you ignore those parts
0: i don't ignore those parts when you truly understand scripture and this is where the leftist argument falls apart in picking apart scripture and how we how we interpret scripture, when you understand scripture, you understand there are three kinds of laws within the scripture. Because all the things you've mentioned are in the Old Testament. You have the moral law from which we derive natural laws that we have within society now. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. You you won't commit murder. You know you don't commit adultery. This is called the moral law. They are irrefutable. They, they don't change. But then you have within the context of scripture things which are called ceremonial laws. You shan't, you, you shouldn't wear mixed fabrics. You, you shan't eat shellfish, right? And then you have a third set of laws. Now, I am not orthodox Jewish born and bred. My, my mother is not a Jew. I was not born to a Jewish family. So the so the ceremonial laws and the laws of the temple do not apply to me. And, and this is my argument, well, well uh, it, it might be handy, but the scripture is very, very clear on it. I am what the scripture defines as a Gentile and not subject to the ceremonial laws and not subject to the cash root food laws that apply to Jews. The scripture very, very clearly states in the Old Testament that these things apply only to Jews. And that's not a yeah. cop-out. That is actually knowing what the Scripture says. For 32 years, I have preached. It's not enough to know the Bible. You have to know what it is saying and who it is saying it to. So just like lefties and liberals and those people that oppose my arguments pick and choose the parts of Scripture that they want to use to support their narrative, I'm not picking apart the Scripture. I'm telling you what it says. And these are the things that I understand. I am, every single one of us, are bound by the moral laws, you shall so not that, kill.
1: So, so in that context, bringing it up to the present day and to current affairs, Kai, mm. uh, if you and you've mentioned it a few times, if you believe "thou shalt not kill" is an absolute, how can a Christian defend the actions of the West in killing people in the Middle East, regardless of who they are? Because <laughs> if it's an absolute, you shouldn't kill anyone
0: because within the context of moral law there is the application as given through scripture when it comes to to terms of warfare. Now I don't believe in the I don't believe in the subjugation of a people and I don't believe in killing purely for the the the, the purposes of killing. If death occurs in the instance of self-defense or in the instance of protection, it is unfortunately within the context of the Middle East as it's standing at the moment, the inevitability of warfare. But we must look at what point warfare becomes a move towards something other than defense of a people, defense of an individual, defense of a nation state.
1: So taking that example, obviously I'm inferring the Israeli-Gaza conflict, which does seem to be escalating. But taking a historical example, the Catholic, the religious Catholic Tony Blair was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Iraqis in yep. a war which was based on a false prospectus, the dodgy dossier, as we say in the United Kingdom, uh, which claimed that there were weapons of mass destruction where indeed there were not. Where do you stand from a religious context on what the religious Catholic Prime Minister, Tony Blair did in Iraq?
0: Well, let's let's put it into context. Firstly, Mr. Blair only confirmed his, his Catholicism post-departure from number 10. Um, I'm not sure he acted within the context of being a Catholic Christian during his time there. In fact, I remember his spin doctor, Alistair uh, Campbell, quite clearly stating, we don't do God. Um, So it's amazing how they they changed that. Uh, secondly, the dossier was proven to be false. It was a false narrative. It is. Uh, it has been for many years, in my opinion, an illegal war in the Middle East. And I truly believe that the perpetrators of that war, Mr. Blair included, should have faced trial for war crimes at the Hague. I, I've. I, I've never ever agreed with us going to war the way they did. Now, I'm I'm sorry, many people will disagree with me. Many people will say it's a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory, it's my opinion. But to me, that that war was fought on a premise of two things. Firstly, it was about control of oil within Iraq and Kuwait and the surrounding regions. And secondly, there are many parts of me think that George W. Bush went in to finish the job his father should have finished many years before in the first Gulf conflict. So, uh, I really believe that Mr. Blair and those responsible, President Bush and many others, should have faced trial for war crimes. I still do. The fact that he was knighted just defies beggars' belief, in my opinion. Uh, He should be nowhere near the crown.
1: So, we've set the groundwork here for the debate I want to come back to in just a moment, uh, Bishop. And the question I'll be asking you, giving you fair notice, is based on what you've said where we don't answer now we could come in a couple of minutes on this where should we stand with the israeli gaza escalating conflict which seems to be sucking increasing uh, numbers of countries and interest groups into that conflict what is the religious position we'll come back to that in a minute uh, as a viewer as a listener i want to know what you think is it justified to uh, go to war if you have faith, whatever that faith is. Is there a contradiction? Do you think that Bishop Duar is twisting and turning to just try and justify something which is not justifiable? Or is there a common sense element in this as well? I want to know your views. This is the home of free speech. We'll come back to Bishop Duan, just a minute. I'm Lambertopic. This is the Lembitopic Show. This is TNT Radio.
2: TNT Radio's Kate Shemarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP. Always, but with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive, and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar and then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate and and I, if I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food, there's nothing to eat in there I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places and if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food, the rest it, it's not food and I see what people buy I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's Shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenager's brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate
0: Shimarani on TNT Radio.
2: When I had my heart event
3: close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. And then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought, something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widow-maker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk.
1: News and
3: information.
1: TNT Radio. Greetings, one and all, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to TNT Radio, home of free speech with me, Lembetopic, hopefully one of the purveyors of freedom of expression. I only ask you to bring one thing to my show your thoughts, your point of view, perhaps fueled by what you hear from my contributors. Uh, but more than anything, we'll give you the facts. You generate your own opinion. That's the essence of free speech. It's great to be back. Uh, Nice to see so much uh, talking there. Intruder says Lambert is back. Absolutely right. So does Mogden. Uh Lisa says, Hey, it's Lambert. I like him. Well, I like you too, Lisa. I've never met you, but I hope to one day. Um, and uh thank you for all of those uh Uh, those comments. I'll be doing three hours on a Saturday and on a Sunday. So you've got plenty of time to comment, to shout at the radio. Do more than that. Though Go to TNT Radio and uh, put your comments in there. Uh, We were talking a little bit uh, about war. We've been talking a little bit about weather. Holly says... Uh, Ah, yes, but only some people are allowed to defend themselves, aren't they, uh, in response to what I'm saying about the West uh, using its might uh, to intervene. Uh, There's been quite a substantial overnight attack on the Houthis. Uh, If you don't know who they are, I can explain, but I'll do that a little bit later on with a later guest. Uh, uh, Lauder says, looks like he's been somewhere warm, fired up, ready to go. Yes, I am. I am in my wonderful, warm and comfortable uh, state of mind, Uh, a state of mind which gives me the confidence to share my thoughts with you, expecting you to do the same. Uh, nice one from Mogden last two hours with Kate were fantastic Uh, if you weren't listening definitely worth a listen two brilliant guests yes Mogden you're absolutely right Kate is absolutely top class Uh, I'm blessed to be in a stable of fantastic thinkers fantastic presenters here in TNT radio Uh, Holly says ah the bishop with a lovely voice Uh, Reverend you've got a fan in Holly there and um, uh, lots of people supporting uh, my comments about the weather Blodder says can't just by flooding without rain and snow completely right it's called normal weather skippy says morning campers judging by skippy you're probably in the evening at the moment but i'm just guessing uh and yes uh, skippy you're also right i'm back for a three hour show today and tomorrow it's great to be back i just love this place i love TNT Radio, because it really is a place where we can express our points of view. Now, turning to what uh, Reverend Kai Dewar, who's my first guest uh, this uh, day, uh, Holly says, not religious at all, but could listen to the nice bish, well, there we are, that's something. Uh, and we were talking about, ah, and Vanessa says exactly true believers this would be conscientious objectors. So I've been speaking with Reverend Kai Dewar about whether there's a conflict in having faith of any religion. And yet supporting military action uh, kai i know that you want to talk about something else as well but let's just ask you this question it's obvious that uh, a deeply religious country israel which is different to judaism one's a country one's a religion but it's a deeply religious country uh, is responsible for a uh, very intense military action uh, in the gaza area it's killed over twenty thousand people and of course there's a war going on or a conflict going on depending how you want to define it between ukraine and russia many in ukraine and many in the west who are supporting that also claim to be religious for example joe biden how do you square that some would say you're just wriggling out of a contradiction by saying you can be religious and you can also kill
0: well the scripture says in in the book of proverbs there's a time for every ecclesiastes sorry there's a time for everything under the sun a time for love a time for hate time to give a time to to receive a time for war a time for peace and uh, when we talked in the the first part of the show the justifications for war there are they are there and they they are in scripture whether people like it or not it is there my biggest concern as a clergyman and as a believer is at what point does warfare become something more than that and this is my concern about what's happening in Uh, Israel, particularly in relation to Gaza, and of course, within the context of of Ukraine and Russia as well. Very different situations, very different sets of circumstances around it. But at what point in any conflict, even now as, you know, it seems that President Biden seems intent on dragging us into World War III with uh, what's going on with the, the Houthis in Yemen as well over the last 24 hours, what point does warfare become something more than warfare? Um, and you're right. Uh, at what point does a, a nation with its supremacy or multiple nations with their military might and supremacy decide enough is enough? Where do we cripple? I, I think back to the uh, to the Argentinian conflict in the Falklands in 1982, there was this you know back and forth between the British forces and the Argentinian forces. but when the uh, when the Argentinian forces were crippled, the british forces stopped attacking they held off uh, and then they were just more looking at kind of peacekeeping and taking down we had it when you see the difference in reports and I, and, and i've read many of them between the 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 um the British forces and other allied forces, and the way in which they proceeded during the the Gulf conflicts, first time and second time. And I know military personnel that served as commanding officers during the first Gulf War. I I don't know anybody personally that commanded during the second Gulf War. But the British army was trained to a particular point of having established that our enemy is crippled. Now we, now we, we move into a more peacekeeping role And there's a lot of of helping to rebuild. My concern is, within the the Middle East in particular, that religious ideology is taking over in where there should be common sense and where we should see compassion. Because at the end of the day, any warfare is about eliminating the enemy. But doing it, especially in modern warfare, doing it with as, as few casualties as possible, in my opinion. And I want to talk those about- arguments should have been resolved a long time before. Now, uh, the, the difficulty is... Wait, but, uh, uh, sorry, wait, let me let you a a cut
1: I, 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 no, no, it's, okay, it's okay. I'm actually finding this fascinating. It's what I intended to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about a Spanish story in a moment. But two things. First of all, and this is just rhetorical, uh, the General Belgrano ship was actually torpedoed when it was sailing away from the war zone. That's been a matter of great controversy ever since. The second point here is there will be those listening, And uh, Vanessa might be one of them, uh, uh, who says any true Christian would not go to war. And uh, Lisa says, Blair's not a true Christian, then. The fundamental point somebody could say to you is, you're dodging and diving here. You're saying thou shalt not kill is an absolute. And then you're setting conditions. And that doesn't sound plausible. There are those who say that a Christian would always take the pacifist position. Jesus never killed anyone.
0: No, I I disagree. Uh, and and I'm not trying to dodge anything. I genuinely disagree because Jesus gives a great example, right? He he tells his followers, if someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If someone, uh, you know, there was a law that a a Roman soldier could literally dump all of their kit on you and tell you to walk a mile to carry it for them. And he tells them, if they, they make you walk a mile, walk another mile, surprise them. In other words, you take the power over your enemy by doing, going beyond the thing, by doing the thing they're not expecting you to do. Warfare is an inevitability. We've seen it all through history. Unfortunately, it happens. We see, society. if if every believer took a pacifistic approach, this society would have been completely dominated. If we go back in modern history, 80 years, if Britain took a pacifist approach to the rise of Nazi aggression and, and fascism within Europe, Europe would have been conquered, Britain would have been conquered there has to be a point where we understand the difference between the moral law concerning the individual, which is what thou shalt not kill, uh, and the defense of a realm or the defense of a people against an aggressor. Otherwise, you have, unfortunately, like the conflict in, in the Middle East, you have the rise of a truly horrendous religious ideology that puts jihad right at the heart of its conquest and millions and millions of people would have been absolutely wiped out citizen citizen can't even say the word citizen civilizations that was the one we were aiming for would have been completely destroyed history rewritten common sense is to protect you. We do it ourselves. If somebody goes to strike us, what do we do? We put our arms up to defend ourselves. We try and move out the way. Common sense is, is a defensive position when we're under attack. But I, there is a massive line between the morality of men when we come to warfare. At what point does warfare become something more than that? And this is my I, question.
1: I like to keep the the show current and to explain the reason I'm exploring this is because I think this is really salient to what mm. Western and <clears throat> allegedly religious leaders, uh, people in uh, particularly United Kingdom and the United States uh, are, are are claiming. Uh, incidentally, uh, uh, Skippy also made the same point about the General Belgrano, and uh, another point which has been made here the, uh, from Vanessa. Again, the identifying mark of a true Christian, by all the by, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love among yourselves. And I'll just ask you this uh, fundamental question. How would you defend to an observer, a third party observer, the claim that let's say the United States, Joe Biden is religious, but he unquestionably in his actions, Will create some collateral damage, which will kill some civilians. Is that a religiously
0: acceptable thing to do? Well, the, the firstly, the question becomes: What do you define as religious? Is it is it an affiliation to a religion to a, to a, a denomination of faith within the Christian Church? Is it the the following of a, another faith, as in Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism? What, what do we define as religious for a start? Now. The, the scriptures show us very clearly that if we are followers of Christ, to use the Christian as an example, there are certain things that we do that exhibit our Christianity. Now, from my perspective, I, I would struggle to define a, any man or woman that does not hold the moral virtue of the sanctity of life at the heart of everything they believe as a Christian. When I look at... um Let's say Joe Biden, for example, former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, very famous Catholic Christians within the US, when their belief on full term abortion, which goes against the moral law of the Catholic Church, is what drives them, I have no belief at all that they have any respect for the sanctity of life of any individual, whether it's in a mother's womb in their own countries or an enemy of a foreign state. So it, the religious argument is, is in some way not applicable in the way in which we're trying to apply it because clearly the person that we're trying to apply it to doesn't demonstrate the attributes of being a follower of Christ as we're holding them to now. It's the same when we talk about, I'll use an example, right? When we look at, um the way that certain members of the fundamental side of the islamic faith have behaved in particular you know the these what we call islamic terrorists the, the 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 likes of isis and other organizations we hold them to a moral virtue we hold them to a set of laws and standards that we in the west apply based on our moral laws but that is a set of laws they don't even recognize so how do we say that the argument there is a religious argument when their religion, which is their faith, is also this uh, is also the law by which they live, and that does not accept or even acknowledge the laws and the morality that we live um, by? So I, the argument I, I, of, of religion being involved is, is is that in itself, to me, um, is a cop out for justifying certain positions
1: you i can tell you i've let this run a bit because first of all i'm fascinated by it and i admit i studied philosophy religion at university so i'm personally very interested in what you're saying uh but you've created a lot of debate which i haven't got time to read in detail uh skippy says who decides the aggressor i think that's a fair point point. Uh, and uh, uh, red says iraq libya afghanistan was all indefensible." Uh, you've made your point there, and perhaps on another occasion uh, we can go really even deeper than what you've said. If you've got an opinion about what you've heard from Bishop Dewar, uh go to tntradio.live, put your views. If I've got the time, I'll, I'll read them out as well. Uh, you are really lively out there today, it's, or this evening, uh, depending where you are in the world. Uh, just keep that dialogue going, and you'll get the most out of this show if you actually do join the chat as well, because I can't read everything that's going on there. Uh, Let's move on from that to a story, a rather curious story from Spain, uh, Bishop. What do you got?
0: Well, th- this is fascinating to me because a, a an incredible young le- woman, I can say that because she's younger than me, by the name <laughs> of Mal Galceran Gal- has been elected as Europe's first MP in the Spanish parliament. She, she represents the Valencian regional uh, parliament. And what makes it significant is this 45 year old woman is a a member of the Down Syndrome Federation. She is the first parliamentarian in Europe that has Down Syndrome. This, to me, is a truly triumphant story of diversity, equity, and inclusion actually working, actually being relevant for the people it can benefit from. But that incredible uh, milestone! This incredible achievement in this young lady's life is now being uh, uh, is now being rained on. I, I was going to say something I shouldn't have said on radio then, but is, is then being taken good, good away. Recovery from recovery there, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, the left are, are now trying to take it away, both the left on social media and within the same parliament, using her disability against her. She has championed the rights of Down syndrome people for for several decades. She has paved a path to show that people with a disability, because that to me is all it is. I know some incredible people in this world that have Down syndrome. They They are some of the most incredible people that I have ever met. In fact, I think of one young lady in particular, her name is Olivia, and her faith puts my faith to shame. I wish I had a drop in the ocean of the faith that she has uh, because of how her faith has helped her in her journey through life and when I look at the, all of this you know uh, the reasons people give for aborting children in the womb with down syndrome this young woman has proven to the world that our opinions about sufferers of of Down syndrome, in fact, our our opinion of anybody with any form of congenital disformity or or disability are clearly, clearly wrong. And I am mad as hell at how the left is trying to take that from her because her story doesn't fit their narrative, because she is a conservative Catholic Christian because she believes in the sanctity of life, because she doesn't believe in gender affirmation and trans ideology and all of the nonsense that the left now proliferates on the rest of the world. They are literally trying to suck this victory away from her and make out that she's not fit for the office, she's going to be incapable of doing the job as a parliamentarian, and this is what annoys their living bejeebus out of me, is that the left want all of these narratives pushed, diversity, equity, inclusion, but they only want it when it's fitting their narrative, when it's for the people they deem to be the ones that need it, and when it works against them, Now they do the the typical nonsense that they try and do, cancel the individual, take away the victory in her life, absolutely, I mean, I I went and looked at some of the comments on social media. They are absolutely horrendous. They are beyond vile. I am fully persuaded social media has given stupid a voice it did not need and does not deserve. And it has allowed keyboard warriors uh, and these social justice warriors to sit behind the anonymity of a phone screen or a computer screen and speak such Utter vile rhetoric and garbage, without ever having, as I politely like to put it, the testicular fortitude to stand face to face with the individual and say the thing that needs to be said. These Lodders, people are vile. Blodders says
1: the oppressed are only championed until they make a real difference. Lisa says: if I found out that my child, when pregnant, had downs, I would not have aborted either. What you say can be summarized in one critical word, conformism. The irony is that the people who claim to be politically correct demand a certain kind of political correctness. And I think that's what you're describing here. I'm colorblind. It's frustrating, but I get on with it. I don't expect anyone to give me uh, favor for it or sympathy. What I find interesting in what you're saying is that. 50 years ago what you said would have been regarded as completely normal now it's controversial because you've had the courage to defend someone who has an alternative view to the mainstream i wonder what you're thinking and feeling about what you're hearing from bishop duar we'll cover another few stories in just a moment is there a case for a religious justification of war or should it always be a matter of pacifism for a religious person And What do you make of the fact that the world's first Down syndrome politician has been elected in Spain? And why is it that we damn people for speaking out? Why is it that we're not allowed to step aside from the mainstream? And is that healthy for society? All of those subjects our fair game on TNT Radio. Go to the site, tntradio.live, express your views. If we've got time, we'll read them out. Uh, Great to see you so active there. Uh, The Bishop will be with us for a little bit longer. I'm Lemba This is Lemba The Lemba Show, and this is TNT Radio.
2: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg.
1: Last Friday was Anna Navarro's birthday, so The View celebrated with
2: drag queens from her home state of Florida. Well, let me tell you something, the (laughs) arts saves lives. Can I get an amen?
3: amen? Amen.
2: Drag shows bring people together. When you come to our show, you leave your problems at the door. You leave whatever the governor said at the door, whatever the president said at the door. You don't want to hear about them at our show. You come to our show to hear Cher, Beyoncé, Lady Gaga, and have a good time. And regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, you're all there to celebrate one thing, the drag queens. And they use the opportunity to bash Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
3: Maybe DeSantis secretly wants to get dressed up in ladies'
2: clothes. Is that possible? Well, he has my number, so I don't know. (laughs) I think it's really important that we understand that it's not that DeSantis went after, you know, LGBTQ and drag. He went after the R House in specific. He tried to shut them down. Now, DeSantis did launch an investigation into the R House bar in 2022 because there were accusations that children were at these drag queen shows. And there was a video reportedly of a an exposed drag queen holding the hand and leading a kid around. So good for DeSantis, shame on these ladies, all of them.
0: Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT.
2: Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do. Yeah, this is helping. The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do.
3: When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you!
0: You're with Limbadovic on today's News
1: Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, planet Earth, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me, Lembotopic, for the aptly named Lembotopic show. Three hours of views and comment, and the chance to dig deep into the moral issues of the day, uh, based on what's going on around the world. You can get involved in this conversation too. go to tmtradio.live and express your opinions. Also, you can call in, you'll find the phone numbers on the website. It's great to have this time. And it's great to have our guest, uh, Bishop Kai Dewar, who is expressing his opinions, which you may or may not agree with. But we've got to agree they're interesting. Uh, There's no doubt about that. We've just been talking about the world's first Down syndrome. Politician, what do you make of that. Does conformity ironically squash individuality? Does conformity prevent us from being truly free? That's essentially the the undercurrent from what uh, Kai's been saying. Uh, Let's move on, though, to talk about the British Prime Minister. And he has had trouble in the post. Uh, Kai, I'm sure you've been following the story about uh, the post office, which has been exposed in the United Kingdom of wrongfully accusing and successfully convicting hundreds, potentially thousands of people who are simply doing their job as public servants. Uh, If you haven't been following the story or if you're not in the United Kingdom, be aware that this has been regarded now as the greatest injustice in British history, so much so that the government is intervening to pass legislation to exonerate those who were criminally convicted, wrongfully, of having stolen money from the post office. Kai, I have been watching the inquiry into this, and frankly, I find the defense by post office representatives utterly pathetic. How have we got to this stage? And what's your take on Rishi Sunak's position on this?
0: You mean Rich Me Sunak? Um,
1: that's, <laughs> the that's 100 99. millionaire. Yeah, 100 millionaires. Yeah, yeah. Rich Me. That's going to catch on. You heard it first on TNT radio.
0: <laughs> Prime Minister Rich Me Sunak. um, This beggars belief. It genuinely beggars belief. But the problem that we now have is the solution to the problem is wading into very, very dangerous territory. Um, firstly, I have grave concerns. And I I mean this from the very depth of my soul. I have grave concerns about the use of the computer technology because Fujitsu, the supplier of the the system that has led to this greatest um, miscarriage of justice in British history, also supplied the NHS also supplied the mod also supplied gchq they run all the government computers if their system failed in the post office where else has it failed and have we have we even known about it do we know of any further failures if there if they were f- further failures, have they been covered up? There, there's a whole uh, Pandora's box to be opened just by the use of the Fujitsu system that was in place. I know it was Horizon within the, the post office, but there are multiple systems that were set in place by Fujitsu. And then, like you rightly said, the response to this, both from the government initially, from the post office especially absolutely dumbfounded. The easiest thing in the world would have been to put your hands up and go, do you know what? We got it wrong. We made a mistake. Now let's put it right. But where I said we're now wading into dangerous territory, when a government then begins to legislate, because we have a mechanism in the UK but wherein the, all of these convictions can be overturned. The government has decided, or I should say Prime Minister Rich Sunak has decided to put forward legislation to overturn these convictions simply by filling out a form and signing it. And that wades dangerously into maintaining the independence of the, of the judiciary. Now, I'm very clear on this when I say this. We in the UK don't have a Supreme Court that is, to me, independent. They were set up under Tony Blair's watch to become a political arm of the government and have proven that in many, many cases, in my opinion. When the when the Supreme Court decides to weigh in and get involved in, whether you agree with it or not, in parliamentary procedure and practice and to, make, to, to decide the government acted illegally, which is to say the, the Crown acted illegally and they are the judicial arm of the Crown, they're basically saying they themselves are acting illegally. So I I, I removed the Supreme Court from this particular equation. But we have a mechanism in place. Every single one of these defendants could be quite easily processed in the appellate court, quite easily have their convictions rightfully overturned or quashed in the appellate court in the procedure in which that it should be done so that this horrible miscarriage becomes case law to be used in future things. The fact that we have a prime minister and a government now deciding they are going to legislate to bypass the independence of the judiciary and to bypass the legal system where in which convictions are overturned and quashed. I have grave concerns about what this is going to do for the independence of the judiciary and especially for any future appellate procedure, because this will create a legal precedent in the UK. And to me, this horrendous miscarriage of justice must be dealt with in the right way to prevent any further miscarriage of justice, not just from the the, the prosecution of plaintiffs, uh, um, of defendants, rather, in any legal case, but from the position of being able to use legal precedent to overturn a right conviction. As In many cases. We're we're in a very, very grey area.
1: We we are. What's interesting about what you're saying, though, is that, by inference, each of the defendants should go through the legal process as an individual to defend themselves. Now, that is a horrendous mountain uh, of work for each individual to do.
0: It's it's not to defend themselves. They, they, uh, let me draw the distinction. There's a bit their cases are over. The, those people that were wrongfully convicted. That case, there's no defence anymore. Where there is sufficient evidence and the court now has it. That there is this horrendous miscarriage of justice there is quite simple process none of the defendants need to be present they just you have a class action suit represents all of those defendants where every single case can be brought before the appellate court and the appellate court without even convening to to discuss knowing the situation, knowing the law, can quite easily quash and overturn those convictions in one sitting. It would all be done in a day. There is a legal mechanism in place. My concern is once again, we have a government trying to circumvent the legal the legal process we've seen it when when uh, old richmy wanted to bypass the court to work around the Rwanda judgment we see we've seen it before when the the supreme court was used to come against the government we've seen it with uh, gina watserface that tried to to bypass the legal process in relation to, to brexit and use the courts in in uh, 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 the court's legal mechanism in their defense of, of bringing brexit to a, a halt and, and and usurping the authority we have we are dangerous dangerously close to eradicating both the independence of the judiciary and the government in its rightful position when we use a legal system and we use legislation to overrule a legal system. We have a, we have a court system in the UK that has worked for hundreds of years. There is a simple mechanism in place to put right this horrendous wrong and to try and help these people rebuild their lives, recover from the trauma that they have suffered, give them what is rightfully theirs, and make it so, because what you've got to remember is this. We're now talking about a government legislating to quash their convictions. That means those convictions are still legally within the system. If the court quashes them, if the court enables them, they must be wiped from the court records, not just the person's criminal record. They must be wiped from the court records. And this it, is the danger it, that we have.
1: If it's so straightforward, Kai, why is it that you, a bishop, in wales understand all this but the combined intelligence of the whole of governments and the civil servants don't get it why aren't they doing what you're saying
0: well for a start firstly i actually use my brain to think unlike most politicians in westminster how dare you i'm not how uh, dare you
1: you just insulted 13 years uh, of my
0: life uh, no 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 (laughs) listen to what i said unlike most politicians In Westminster, I know you're not in Westminster anymore. Why? Because you think too much. You think too clearly. You you use your brain far too much to be a politician. But secondly, unlike most people in Westminster, I'm not sitting on my brain either. (laughs) <laughs> Common sense. Now, I, I have the added advantage of the fact that I didn't go to university and study theology straight away. I would like you, I did a, uh, I did, well, I did a joint mas- uh, majors in my bachelor's because I did philosophy and religious studies and I did law and politics on the other side, which is why you see I've mixed, they say don't mix, mix religion and, and politics. And I've spent an entire life doing exactly the opposite and combining the both. But when you understand the legal system, it's real simple. And and some of the, the top lawyers in the, the UK, some of uh, of His Majesty's greatest uh, cases, some of the judges in the UK are expressing the same concerns that I am expressing about the danger of undermining the role of the judiciary, undermining the role of the legal system and creating a legal precedent. I understand the public outcry. cry. I understand this wrong must be put right but it must be put right in the right way for everybody uh, to benefit.
1: So uh, you make it you're, you're typically eloquent, you always are, uh, but it does prompt the question, if it's so straightforward, most politicians have an IQ of above average, why aren't they simply saying to the courts, sort this out as a class action?
0: Because we have a, a prime minister that is reacting to public opinion, reacting to public outcry over it, which is I understand, but has now decided we want to clear this in one fell swoop. So let me create a law uh, and and this this sets a dangerous precedent within politics then because it's uh, we're now setting the standard of well if I don't like that law, we'll just write a new law to get around it. Or if I don't like that system or the way that that thing is done, we'll just write a law to get around it. This is opening up a huge quagmire of grayness within the entire legal political system. What happened is horrendous. What happened was wrong. But to put it right, we must do it right. Otherwise, we are we are literally setting legal precedent that leads to very, very dangerous territory for generations I, to come.
1: I, I have to tell you, I agree. Uh, when I was in Parliament, the thing I loathed was knee-jerk reactions. Uh, the banning of, of handguns was an example, for example, uh, quite simply, uh, because if you're going to commit a crime, your first thought isn't probably to get a gun license. And so often I saw knee-jerk reactions like you're describing. I hadn't thought about it quite like you've described, but the precedent I think is dangerous, Reverend. And I think that where we're heading uh, is a situation where politicians think they can do what they can, what they want, uh, and that they can oppress us as well. Uh, Reverend, you have got people thinking this morning. Blodder says, this is how you wake up your brain on a Saturday morning or Saturday (laughs) evening, if you're in uh, in, uh, uh, Australia, of course. And Holly asks a question, which I don't want you to answer. What are your thoughts then about the upcoming election? Well, your prayers have been answered, Holly, because my next guest is actually a Conservative politician, a former mayor, uh, deputy mayor, sorry, former deputy mayor of London. He'll be uh, asked that question on your behalf by me. Uh, Reverend, thank you for being my first guest on my first show on a Saturday. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you'll be back as well. Really love your company. Love your thoughts. Whether you like what the reverend said or not tell me go to tnt radio.live express your views so many of you live busy this morning or this evening loving what you're saying coming up next we've got roger evans former deputy mayor of london i'll be asking him about boris johnson the general election and lots more b- besides all of that here at the home of free speech with me Lembitopic, on the show